You're listening to Rogue Agents, episode 36, featuring The Man from Uncle, season one, episode five. Welcome to the 36th episode of Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of the On Her Majesty's secret podcast channel brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I am your host, Agent Pat, codenamed DJ Christatos, and joining me as co-agent on this mission is our very own Uncle Tex from, you know, get it, Uncle, and then Tex is his codename, so I'm calling him Uncle Tex. Does that make you my nephew or my niece? I'm not quite sure. My, me, your nephew or your niece? <laughs> I don't know. That was the, the weirdest part. episode. I would be honored to be your nephew. <laughs> All right. I was the be... plot on that one. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Alan, for joining me and uh, helping me co-do this one. Again, I really appreciate it because if anybody's got uncle knowledge, it's going to be Alan. He's got all the knowledge. I don't know about all the knowledge, but maybe I've watched the show too many times and read too many of the books and all that good fun stuff. So, Well, Alan, let's go ahead and start with you. Let's go and see what's the most 007 thing that you've done since we've last talked. Wow. I was actually just thinking about that because I completely forgot you were going to ask me the question until I saw the script. It's not that very 007-ish in terms of action or anything, but I've actually been going through my vinyl collection. I read or saw a YouTube video the other week about if you have your vinyl in really old protective sleeves, they can actually get damaged. Mm. There's a chemical reaction that happens with the old PVC sleeves that actually ends up depositing oh. plastic on your records and ruins them. So I panicked and ripped all the PVC sleeves off all my records and threw all the PVC sleeves away. And I've got nice new box from Amazon with chemically inert sleeves and all the latest goodies. And I've been going through and Resleeving, repackaging all my albums. And I probably earlier this week, I got through to all the James Bond albums. So I've actually been going through. And of course, you can't just take them out and then put them in a nice sleeve and put them back. You have to give them a listen. So oh, I've been sure. going through and re-listening to all my Bond stuff as I've been geeking out and resleeving. It's a bit like back in and boarding really large comics, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> with all the stuff for keeping my uh, vinyl safe. So yeah, I've been, uh, been doing that. And uh, just going to plug my new James Bond lexicon newsletter, bi-weekly newsletter, which I just put out. And I, I talked a bit about that in the issue that just came out today as we're recording this. So, Where would one want to find that newsletter? If you now? would like to subscribe to that, it is free. And you can find it at bondlexicon.substack.com. Very so, good. Listening to a lot of Bond music, if only I could oh. find a podcast that talked about it. Hmm, uh, if only uh, there was one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would listen if, if it was just Alan talking about it. But What if we added Raymond Benson? <laughs> well, I'm listening. <laughs> no, you guys did an excellent job on covering all the Bond music that is out there. Way, way more than what I ever thought there was out there. So, Oh, and there's still more. We, <laughs> there's loads more we haven't even touched. We've probably got another five years worth if we have a Wow, really? It. We may have to dabble sometime. Nah, never know. Special bonus episodes. Cool. Very cool. Well, let's go ahead and see what other agents are with us for this episode. And we'll go ahead and go to Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Agent Death Probe. What is the most Bondian thing you have done? Well, Pat, the most Bondian thing I've done is I have added a new James Bond universe book page sketch to my collection of book page sketches. In fact, I don't think it's even on my website yet, but maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have it posted. But I did Scaramanga from The Man with the Golden Gun. I found a, an old fallen apart Man with the Golden Gun book, and mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? It's time to start adding some villains to my roster. So Alan mm. will probably pick one of those up for free at Dragon Con. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't have the full set now. You've just ruined my full set on this shelf here. You know, since I've got that one laying around, I'm considering maybe doing Knickknack or Miss Goodnight. Or Lieutenant Hip, you know, just as I find these falling apart books, I think I'm going to keep expanding the Bond selections of my book page sketches. So, and those, you know, those are available at 
my plug here, www.theyardsaleartist.com. And here's a curveball for you, Pat. Put on your trivia hat because I have a trivia contest for all of you. Yep, that includes you, Delvin, Alan. All right, I expect Alan to get the first question out of the box. So I'll even just pass it directly to Alan. Right. Alan, what was the last James Bond soundtrack that was available on vinyl? And I'm not talking about re-release. It has to be the actual timely release of said soundtrack that was released on vinyl. No fancy redos or anything like that, just when it came out. Well, no time to die because I have the double album. <laughs> well done. Now, if I wind it all the way back, though, to like when vinyl faded out before it faded back in, mm-hmm. do you know which one was the last one before that? Wow. Not off the top of my head, no. I'd have to go look at my collection, to be honest. I think, Alan, and you you'd be the one to correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Licensed to Kill. I think it was Licensed to Kill, yeah. It sound, that sounds about right. Yeah. Now, one time I went out, I went on a quest to get them all, and I did, and I sent them to Jason. Anyways, Pat, here's your trivia question. Okay. Should be relatively easy. Don't overthink it. What was the last James Bond movie to be released on VHS? VHS. Delvin uh, can help you if you need the help. You can phone a friend. I'm going to say Goldeneye. What do you think, Delvin? Is he right or wrong? I thought Goldeneye, too. But is it even past that one? Alan, you want to throw in anything here? I'm trying to visualize when I had the full set on. All of Rogers are on there. All of Rogers. Was right? it Die Another Day? Alan's the winner. It's oh. Die Another Day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so just, just a fun fact to keep rattling around in your head. The last Bond on VHS was the last Brosnan. Brosnan was the was the end of it. Okay, I was I was going I started going through. I'm like, well, I think I know all so the Rogers the are right, out there. You were in the right era. The Brosnan mm. era was when it switched, but yeah, it was his very last one. Die another day. All right, I'm only fair if I ask Delvin one. What was the first appearance of James Bond in American comic books? Doctor No. Correct. No, oh, come on. <laughs> I just wanted to make Pat feel bad. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. That's it for the fun trivia fact. Before we go back to Pat, I mean, we know how it goes, right? When there's trivia <laughs> and there's me and there's Pat, you know. We, we, I set him up. I 100% yeah, set, set him up for this one. Look, look, Jared. Hold on. I'm still bragging for no reason. I've been here before. Okay. Oh, bring it back to the old rookie agents field. Anyway, oh, that's just the fun I want to have. We still have to officially introduce Delvin. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to my good old buddy. He earned it. He gets it. <laughs> Delvin, the dark web, Williams. Welcome to the show. And what's the last 007 thing that you've done recently? What's up, Pat? How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I was doing good until I lost in trivia, but. You know, we, we were not keeping score, and Jared did set you up there. So it was all in fun, my good friend. And, like, I was sitting there thinking about the most Bond-like thing I did, and I guess I will, you know, toot my own horn a little bit. And just a couple weekends ago, uh, I was awarded brown belt in jujitsu uh, out of my school. So, like, oh, nice. while James Bond has not been awarded a, a belt on screen, like, Roger Moore almost got it. He almost they got almost that bill, did, but, yeah. but I, I hear I hear they cut it out, you know, because you know they didn't want you know other aspiring martial artists to be jealous of Roger Moore achieving such a higher rank uh, in mm. so so fast of a time. Uh, but yeah, I, I got that. I was uh, super proud of it. And then as a part of our uh, promotion afterwards, like they line people up, and you have to walk through like a gauntlet, and everybody like smacks you on the back with belts or whatever. But I took it as a, oh. I took it like a man. There was no wincing, you know, you know, stone mm-hmm. face, mm-hmm. stone face here. All, all man, buddy. No wincing at pain, you know. And that's something that Bond would do. Bond has done that before. He has stood in the face of abject pain and torture and just laughed it off. And yeah. while, I didn't, while I didn't laugh, I did have a very nonchalant smirk to my face. But thankfully, there were no belts to, you know, the, the nether regions. Like, mm. <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I got an itch. Send Mr. Williams to school. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Well, since, since we're, we're kind of speaking about that kind of a stuff, I just want to say Jason the Weasel Skull Albert couldn't be here because he's out looking for some junk, you know, on the boat. Coconuts, man. Coconuts <laughs> on the junk. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, Jason's coconut. being like an international man of travel right now. He's, yeah. He's very Bondian right now. Yeah, so maybe we might have some uh, Bondian adventures when Jason comes back next go-around. But 
We wish him a good and happy time on his time off here. He's in Isthmus City, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Alan laughed. <laughs> All right, double two. Double got it too. All right. Well, for this episode, it is the 36th episode of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we traverse the 007 universe. That could mean books. That could mean music. That could mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. All right. Well, with that, now let's go ahead and get into our rogue agent subject for this episode. And as you heard earlier on, we are going to be talking about The Man from Uncle, Season 1, Episode 5. So let's go ahead and get to some episode information. The title is The Deadly Games Affair. The air date was October 20th, 1964. Writer was Dick Nelson. Director is Alvin Ganser. Music is by Jerry Goldsmith. And the cast goes as follows. Napoleon Solo is Robert Vaughn. Ilya Kiryakin is David McCullen. Alexander Waverly was played by Leo Carroll. Professor Amadeus was played by Alexander Scorby. Angelique was played by Janine Gray. Chuck Broskirk was played by Bert Brinkeroff. And Terry Brent was played by Brooke Bundy. With the credits and that out of the way, let's go ahead and hand it over to Alan for the plot summary. Thank you, Pat. As you mentioned, this episode was titled The Deadly Games Affair, but that was not the original name. The original name was The Stamp Affair. Mm. In this episode, Uncle and Thrush are after the same target when clues point to the fact that a Nazi scientist who had been working on a suspended animation project and long thought dead might be alive. When a collection of rare stamps known to have belonged to the scientist comes up for sale, a pair of students from a local college are drawn into the mix. The students were being used to front the sale on behalf of one of their professors. And of course, it turns out that the professor is the Nazi scientist who needed the money from the sale of his stamps to continue his experiments and reanimate a mysterious frozen body. To complete the process, he needs to find a donor who has the exact same blood type as his patient. And that person turns out to be Napoleon Solo. All right, Alan, thank you for that plot description. Let's go ahead and get into some of the bric-a-brac for this. Well, let's go ahead and find out, is it a first watch or a rewatch? So we will start with Delvin. Is it a first watch or rewatch? It is a first watch for me, Pat. Jared? It is a first watch for me, but I liked it so much over the last two weeks, I've watched it twice. Oh, so nice. You had to watch it twice. Very cool. Alan, is it a first watch or a rewatch? Rewatch for me. All right. More than twice? Well, I watched it twice prepping for this episode, so yes. There you go. Someone's got to set the bar even higher so Jerry can, you know. Oh, there's no catching up with Alan on these. I don't think. <laughs> no. Well, we got to ask anyway. It's a first watch for me. So we got three cool guys that have never seen it before and one eh, decent guy. We'll see. <laughs> oh, because oh, he's cool. Decent. Classy. Yeah. yeah. Cla- one classy dumb. guy. One classy <laughs> guy. You know, we gotta, without Alan, I wouldn't be able to do this. So I got to thank him. With that, let's get into some high lows or what does for this episode that we watched from The Man from Uncle. We'll go a couple rounds and we will start with Delvin. Delvin, you got a high low or what the? I'll go with a what the, but it's more of a high. The swerve about mid episode was like, what in the world? <laughs> like, we were talking about a stamp collector and it was like, yeah, from, you know, from Nazi Germany times or whatever. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, dude's like, I'm trying to resurrect Hitler, y'all. Like, wait, huh? What the? <laughs> what? That jumped a few levels, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it? It jumped a lot of levels. Like, holy cow. So, 
you know, the what they like that's masquerading as a high here is like I was definitely taken aback by it because I started watching it. I was, you know, I had it playing in the car a little bit, half watching it, brought it home, and I'm like, okay, it seems to be going along fine. And then all of a sudden, when that switch was made, because the question I was asking to myself was, wait a minute, why did this guy lure? I'm not gonna remember the gentleman's name, but lured him to that building, and then he sort of ran away and hid. And I'm like, what is going on? And Okay, this is the professor. Okay, got it. But why is this? Oh, oh my. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so the shocking middle part of it, maybe going into the uh, start of Act 3, absolutely blew me away. I was I was stunned by it. Yeah, you're not the only one that got kind of blown away out of that as well either. <laughs> oh, girl got blown no, up. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. That I, was surprised. I was like, whoa, that just happened. Why did he do that? Crazy. Guy's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird because, like, he just wanted his stamp money and, like, he blew up old girl and then he knocked out the bargain bar- basement bar- Anthony Perkins. I'm not sure who the guy reminded me a lot of Anthony Perkins. Like, he knocked him out in the back of the truck after he helped move boxes. I'm like, why? He could have just, he could just drove away. Yeah. Well, I know why. I, I mean, know he blew why. the door because he, he didn't want anybody else coming in who might, and he didn't Wait. know it was her. He just knew that there was somebody else coming in. Oh, okay. That makes he sense. didn't know who it was. Pat, yeah. I got you. He may I, have I, been I, looking for another blood donor. Yes. Because he mentions that later on, oh. that, and that's why Bert was there tied up. Because, like, well, I tried it with him, and then I yeah. tried it with her, uh, the, yeah. the yeah. thrush agent. And I watched it twice, too. Shame on me. Mm. Yeah, he did, he did say that he checked their blood types and they were wrong. Yeah, so yeah. good shout there, Delphin. But, yeah, with the explosion, I think it was just he heard somebody else trying the door, and he was just like, he didn't want anybody else coming in. He didn't know who was the other side of the door. Yeah, he didn't want to get caught anymore oh girl couldn't just stay in the car no and man she had some track speed like solo glances at over realizes she's gone she's already 50 yards over (laughs) in like heels i was like dang girl (laughs) and the speech he got out of that car opened that car door and got out too and they yeah two seconds he he took his eyes off her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that was interesting and you're right delan it did take it for a quick turn one thing i wanted to quick talk about is anybody still like really cool and like the opening of these it's just that cool hey, yeah actually you know, i had me, a question yeah. about that if you don't mind me hijacking yeah go ahead and this is clearly going to be for alan the entrance into the taylor shop yeah as they shot it from the outside and i need the clarification that looked to me I was like that is not a set that looks like a real place you can visit in new york city and if anybody would know that it would be you no it's a set that exterior the is outside. a set? That is exterior is a set, yeah. Oh, and it actually pops gosh. up in some other shows, most noticeably in The Fugitive, when actually there's an episode of The Fugitive where you actually see Dr. Kimball walk down that street and he walks past that tailor's shop. That oh. is a good-looking set. I thought that was yeah. for real. And if you want to be really geeky, there's actually a branch of that tailor's on the promenade on DS9 as well. Oh, nice. I'm oh. a big DS9 guy. That's cool. <laughs> is that the one where Garrick works? No, no, that's it. It's own, but actually on the di- you really can't see it, but I've seen screenshots. Actually, on the store directory, the name of the tailor shop's on oh, the store. Oh, that's cool. Oh, like a oh. wink and a little nod there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. See how deep the nerdery just got. It's like, is that the one where Derek works? <laughs> 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 I know the Star Trek characters. I know Dr. Richard <laughs> Kimball. Because <laughs> he only works there on Wednesday. That, that, that is a standing set, or, or it was. And then I, I think towards the end of I think it was like, somebody's going to pull me up on this. I can't remember which season it was, and maybe it was just after the show wrapped. There was a point where it was lost. There was a backlot fire and it was lost. And so it sort of disappeared from the show. Oh, I man. think in like season three or season four. That, yeah, that outside is a great shot. Because I've been, the amount of times I've been to New York and they always go, you know, in the East 40s. This yeah. is ta- and I've been up and down those streets. That's why I figured. I was like, if anybody knows where it is, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be Alan. Only um, to find out. It's just to find out if there's, you know, it's like the voodoo shop in New York from Living yeah. That Day. You can, you can literally go and it's still there. Oh, you, wow. you can recognize it. But yeah, that was completely a backlot set. Ah, that's so, good. Yeah. Oh, interesting. See, fun facts that we're finding out already. Very cool. But yeah, I just love that opening scene. And it's just there are parts where they just look at you and like, oh, hey, what's up, man? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm building my yeah. gun. Yeah, yeah. I'm How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I take care of these. these I boss these other you who's around, these young gentlemen around. He says, right. I'm like, oh, man, that's that's a fun opening i'm just like oh yeah let's get to it every time uh, i watch though i'm like is is waverly 89 years old <laughs> he looks so very much much older than like he should be retired and confused like, 
It seems like everything of you. What? What? Say, uh, what is this magical device? Well, what are you doing? Are you taking my soul? <laughs> oh, oh, hey, buttons. I, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh well, Jared, do you have a high low or what? The? Oh, that was a fun round we had. I don't even know whose turn that was. Yeah. But, um, high. This one's going to get a lot of highs from me. This one more so than the other ones. And the other ones are good at this too. This one felt like very much like a mini movie. Delvin brought up the mid-show mm-hmm. big plot twist from, hey, what's up with stamps to, you know, hey, let's resurrect Hitler. You know, that yeah. <laughs> was a couple levels jump. But I'll be more specific, and I'll say I just really like the opening. The kids out on the boat shooting things with the slingshot, and old dude's like, hey, I'm getting rid of what's in this barrel, and a dude crawls out <laughs> and dies on the side of the river. And he's got like a, a Nazi SS tattoo. You're like, what in the wide world of sports? That opening is emblematic of how just engaging the mm-hmm. whole episode is going. It very much felt like a mini movie. There's a ton of other things I'd love to get in highs and lows, but we got another round, and I don't want to take somebody else's. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely agree with you. That opening was a, a good pull you in and go, oh, what's kind of, what's kind of kind of going on? So was that guy like one of the extra? Bodies or whatever that he was. Yeah, yeah it was the, the first dude that he tried to revive. Ah, okay. And he, yeah. he's the one that aged very badly. And so oh, his response, okay. if you think about it, was ghastly. He put him in a freaking barrel. Yeah, yeah. And he was going to drop him like a kitten. You know, thankful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have just left him in the garage or whatever. And there's a little secret later there, and everything yeah. would have been fine. Alan, do you have a high low or what the for this? I'm going to go with going to go with a high. I just loved the Angelique Napoleon solo mm, dynamic yes. mm, right out yeah. of the gate. Mm, absolutely, all the hints of the past history between them, the idea of an uncle agent and a thrush agent being in a romantic situation and them playing yeah. with each other. The dialogue between them was great, and I loved Ilya's guess. Yes, yes, his, uh... <laughs> snide remarks back. You know, <laughs> I thought that was. Wonderful. Even the fact that she was throwing the snide remarks about, you know, your partner's, you know, I can't remember the exact words, but, you know, about Ilya's stone face and his remarks and stuff. But mm-hmm. just the way that they did it when, it, you know, they walked in and Solo asked Ilya if he'd been recognized. He's like, not just recognized, but hugged and greeted by name and stuff. And, you know, my cover's blown. And, yeah. you know, how can you romance a woman who wants to kill you? And he's like the college roommate. Who yeah, just approves of the girlfriend that he's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's wrong for you. She's wrong for you. Yeah. I, I know she's wrong for me, but we're, we're so much fun together. Yeah, I know. It was just that the whole thing and the not just then, I'm sort of spinning out a bit, but just I thought the dialogue in this episode was really great. Not just the quips between those two, but some of the other quips too, like, you know, when the, uh, the student sees Angelique mm-hmm. and Napoleon together and he's like, do you have any vacancies in your organization? Because this looks <laughs> fun. Yeah. <laughs> The professor says about he's got an escape tunnel built and Solo, you know, who's facing death makes that quip about, oh, there's a lot of gopher in you, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you know, there was yeah. lots of these little zingy one-liners all the way through this episode, which was really brilliant. But at the center of it was that whole Angelique Solo dynamic, which I thought mm-hmm. was really, really good. Oh, totally. Okay, I'm going to throw in Pat. I'm gonna, I can't myself because he brought oh. up Angelique and he brought up the dialogue. So I got a saucy question for everybody. Was she said, "Oh, you think you won the war, but you just lost the peace?" <laughs> was that a little? Because I took it as like a little, like shoot, you lost a piece of, of what? Now? <laughs> was that? A, I was like, that's a little saucy for sixties. Like, do you guys think that was intentionally saucy like that? Like, I'm being serious. Yeah, I thought she was just like, no, you, like you, you've ticked me off. You really, uh, okay. me yeah, off. I kind of Jared's brain just way. got yeah. revealed. I guess yeah. I was like, what? I, I, I kind of took it that way, where it's like we got this thing going on when we're not at work, right? But now it's work time, so now you just really got her mad that she's like, I don't know if I want to do anything with you after work. No, I got that part. I didn't know if she was, you know, specifically yeah. telling no. I don't think that. it was It was a double entendre, no. I okay, so it's just <laughs> me then. It's just you, you've got a filthy mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guilty. <laughs> Moving on back. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, I'm going to just kind of piggyback off of what Alan said about the fun and the dialogue that's in this one. The student, Bert. He's a fun guy. He's like, he's got all this stuff happened to him. And he's still just like this cool guy who's like, yeah, you got any more, you know, can I join you guys? Or just some of the stuff said he was like so laid back and like, dude, you're getting either shot at or you're getting 
beat up or whatever, but yet you're still, you know, you get knocked out and you still get a cool kind of guy. And <laughs> like, man. It takes a special person, right? I, you got to think that in order to be one of those agents that you have to be cream of the cream because you're representative of your country, representing the world community, trying to keep the world safe from any number of crazy international type threats. So I would think that, that like those agents would have to be, you know, creme de la creme. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I thought it was really fun watching him and his girlfriend just the dialogue between them as well, too. I thought they were a good comedic add to the show. Devlin, let's go ahead and get into round two. Do you got another high or a low or a what the? It was already taken, but I do want to just mention I, I Angelique's character was so good that like I thought that we had missed an episode or something. I'm like, the way that she was introduced, it absolutely just surprised me. So I, I actually liked that. It was since Jason isn't here, I'll use this term, you know, it was Pope in the pool. Like they may have described a couple of things about her, but like all of her actions did the talking. You knew exactly what she was about and what she was doing. Alan, I want your help on this. I, I know that we have talked about Thresh before, but what are they? What do they do like as a like, comparison to Uncle? They are sort of an anti-uncle. They are a nation without borders. They're basically a criminal organized. Well, they don't see themselves as criminal, but they are a international organization that, for one of a better expression, wants to rule the world intellectually and technologically. But like uncle, they are not allied to a particular country. They have agents and stuff all over the world. Again, I'm going to get really geeky here, but if you go back in some of the mythology, there's some things that point to the fact that maybe Thrush was formed by Moriarty from oh. Sherlock Holmes. Oh. And it's a spin-off from his organization, which was like a web of people. He had this web of people all, all over Europe, and this is like growing that into all over the world. And they have centers, like Uncle, they have centers all over the world. Their headquarters moves around. As we get deeper into the show and... Again, some of the novels go into this in a lot more detail, but they're really, if you like, the opposite of, of Uncle in terms of operation and so forth. So, yeah. They're like the Spectre of this. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that. sort of. But they're actually more than Spectre because Spectre is very definitely, we're a criminal organization. Okay. Thresh don't see themselves that way. They see themselves as a nation state without borders. Follow-up question for Alan, then. I couldn't remember if up to this point we'd officially heard the term thrush. Is this the first episode where it comes up, or did I just miss it in a previous No, this is the second one. They were okay. mentioned in the first episode. Okay. But this is the first time since then that we've, we've come across them. Okay. Both. I could remember. I was like, have we heard? Is this the first official appearance of thrush? But I, I guess I just forgot. Well, very good information to have. And I liked how she was a very comparable villain you know opposite of napoleon as you guys mentioned they, they play well together and just the conniving thing she was doing where she was telling i think the kid at the first time she was trying to portray herself as a, someone from uncle it sounded like you know she did that a couple of times yeah and i'm like oh wow that's really sneaky and then she goes you know like as alan was saying we're just kind of a little bit bigger or better than what they are or so she says, but maybe, and maybe they are. Uh, I don't really know the whole thrush, how big it is and, and what it has become. You know, is it better than uncle? Is it comparable in size in that? Actually, a good question. I would say based on the research I've done and the reading I've done, it's actually numerically bigger. Ooh. You see a lot more thrush agents throughout the whole series and the spinoff material than you do uncle agents. Ah. So I think it is actually bigger and more established. And I think Uncle was basically formed to combat the threat that, uh -huh. from Thrush. So. But again, somebody, somebody might know better than that than me because there are folks out there who know this mythology in way more detail than I do. So, And if there are, please go ahead and put it in the comments. We'd love to hear and get more information about this. With that, let's go ahead and go to Jarrett. You got another high, low, or what the? Well, I have a bunch. You know, I, I could go all day on this, but before mm. I let me just adjust, uh, I got to... I know how you feel. I know how you feel. Yeah, I got a little boutonniere here I need to adjust real quick. Just give me a... Ow. <laughs> oh, man, I don't feel very well. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yes, I really liked the sort of plot twist within the plot twist. You were alluding to it, Pat, how 
she convinced the young college guy that she was rescuing him mm-hmm. <laughs> from Thrush, right? She even shot the cop, quote unquote. It was a fake. And the cop kind of got up. Yeah. And, and to Alan's point, the fun and interesting dialogue when out comes Napoleon from the dude's building, right? And she's like, is that a real cop with you? He's like, yeah, it's a real cop. <laughs> you're, you're going to jail. Only probably a few hours will get you out, but I can take all the time I need. I thought that was very clever. But you know what? I'm going to go all all about this episode, but we kind of laughed before we started the official recording. I wanted to bring it up here, too, that they clearly renamed the professor for some reason, because it was a clear dub over that every time they'd say professor, they'd be like, I'm a dad, like professor, I'm a dad, you know, like they just drop it in. I'm like, I wonder what what happened there. It's kind of a mystery, I guess. So, again, as Pat said, if you're listening to this, you're a big uncle fan, and you know why or how he got renamed or what the story there was. We'd love to hear it. Because it was just enough noticeable to be like, they clearly renamed this character in post-production. Yeah, I had actually rewinded. So I'm like, did I catch that name right or what it was? Because he sits down, he comes into class kind of like sneaking in, and then the professor catches him. Then he tells him, yeah, go ahead and sit down. And he says, oh, yes. And as he's kind of turning around and saying, oh, no. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was. It was weird. Before I let my round go, though, I need to go to my main man on these kind of things. We're going to go back to Alan. What kind of car was she driving? Was that a vet? Yes, that was a cool vet. Okay, I thought so. That was a cool little vet, though, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful car. There were several nice vehicles. You could just tell that classic look. Those vehicles just looked more proud back in the day. I don't know what it is. Like They weren't trying to necessarily look pretty, but they looked stately. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it looked like automobiles that, like, when you went somewhere, you wanted to, like, step out of the automobile wearing a three-piece suit. <laughs> Even Dr. Amadeus. Uh, <laughs> his, his pickup truck was kind of, like, cool and retro. Oh, I love that pickup truck. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Such fun. And just his baller crib. Next thing you know, he closes the garage door and the door goes down. He's got the secret level. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. We're perfectly safe down here for a solid seven minutes. <laughs> him, him making the decision to burn the house. Yeah, I, I got it, but it's like, that seemed rash, my dude. Like, it <laughs> seemed very That was rash. his go-to move, though. Remember, the girl showed up to blow it up. I just blow it up. <laughs> And obviously, guess, obviously, didn't think it through though with the burning gasoline and stuff. I mean, it was like, no, he didn't. And it also where Ilya was like, "Yeah, I saw their smoke coming out of the pothole." So yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, secret tunnel with smoke coming out of the pothole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, do you have a high, low, or a what the for this? I'm actually going to go with a couple of what this that align with some of the things we're talking about. Okay, talking about the explosion and Angelique's Corvette. How did her Corvette survive that explosion of fire? Because it was on the driveway right outside that. And then at the end of the show, she's there. These are well-made cars from the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a sign of smoke damage. But the other thing I didn't get was why she was at the college. How did she know to be at the college? Because she didn't know who the professor was, or I don't think she did at that point. We never found out how she knew that the professor was the Nazi. Wasn't she following the kid? Because he's like, I got to go. Or she was following Napoleon because the kid's like, I got to go pick up books for. Well, she, because when he pulled up, she was already parts on the other side of the street. And Napoleon got out and went and talked to her. Mm. I couldn't figure out why, yeah, why she was at the college. I made the same assumption as Pat. I thought she was following. Maybe she was. Napoleon. And then he yeah. just noticed that she was there. And at what point did the tracker come into play? Because the money had tracker in it. Right. So maybe that. Well, I, go back and I don't know. I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't figure it out. The two times I watched it, as to how she ended up at the college. To my mind, it looked like she was. She'd got there just before Napoleon, and why she was there, because it was a very impulsive thing for Napoleon and the and the college kid to go. Mm-hmm. They didn't know the professor was there, so how did no. she? Oh, anyway. you mean at night the second time? Yeah, because then she okay, drives yeah, off. She'd been in prison, hadn't she? And then she showed up at. Yeah, and then she shows up at the college. Interesting. Yeah, I hmm. thought of that. All right. Yeah, so, have to another reason to go back and rewatch this thing again just to catch it and see. Yeah. So, yeah, those two. Uh, I'm going to throw in my only real downer on this. There was not enough Ilya. He was there for the quiz, mm, but there was yes. no Ilya in action. He was just the comic foil. 
Oh, well, he did. He did get. He he got a like a chop or something on the on the. Yeah, it was pretty the, minor though compared to what he's done in other episodes. Yeah, uh, that's true. No, Alexander Waverley. Mm, just the beginning. There was, there was no. There was no. Well, no. Yeah, just just in the in the standard, not in the actual episode. He's probably taking a nap, Alan. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all leave old man Waverley out of it. They did leave old man Waverley out of it. <laughs> totally. So. Right. You know, I, I noticed that this was it, it, this might be the big difference between fresh eyes like us and Alan with the old school been in and out of this series for a long time. I did notice the truncated Ilya, but I just kind of chalked that up to we kind of talked about this early. Like the first episode was just Napoleon. Like I yeah. feel like it's kind of like Star Trek, where if you watch the old the first few episodes, it's pretty much just like Kirk and Spock and kind of McCoy gets bigger and then. Then Uhura and Sue, like the cast grows as it goes. Yeah, it, it like does, and it, it becomes more important. But we've had a couple of episodes where he's been fairly major to, to the action. Yeah, the that one where he was uh, guarding the girl, he was pretty prominent in that yeah. one. So, yeah. 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 All right. So, does anybody have any additional things they want to talk about? I think Jared's got like 27. But what about you? What are you, Pat? Did, did, what was your I think you guys actually covered a lot of it, and um, I liked this episode as well too i I found it very fun to watch and like i said i kept going back a few times just to catch some different things that i missed which is a sign of something that kept me interested so if i keep going back to go wait a minute how did i get from here to there it wasn't because it was bad it was just something like oh man i missed something again so i had to go back and watch it again and i I think i'll go back and rewatch it again just to catch what we just talked about too so jared what do you have additional I'm just going to throw in, just like you were saying, Pat, it was so plot packed that I almost felt bad that we had a pretty truncated scene where Thrush comes and kidnaps a kid because that action scene was yeah. pretty cool. Like the way it was filmed and mm-hmm. Napoleon Solo got like a real cool moment with his gun, blah, 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 you know, with his quote, I'm sure they're quote unquote tranquilizer, mercy bullets, you know, like the Punisher uses and Spider-Man, wink, wink. But man, I was like, this is a really cool action scene. And it made me almost sad that, they had to fit it all into 50 minutes because I feel like that scene could have been, oh, yeah. you know, maybe 30 seconds, an extra minute because it was just it was really banging. Mm-hmm. But but maybe they wanted it short because it was a smash and grab. It was like, get the kid and go, you know, type of a thing. But it was really well done. And I was like, this is a cool action scene, man. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed all that kind of action that was going on. Kind of enjoyed the mystery of this one a little bit, you know, and. I understand yeah, you got a little you get a little quirky at the end there. It's like, oh, this is what it's really about. <laughs> I can understand why they changed it from the stamp affair to what they changed it to, the Deadly Games affair. I think that title matches this one a lot better. I think just not only with the games the professor was doing, but I liked again the cat and mousey kind of games that Napoleon and what, what did they call it? The hair? The, the hunted hair something like that which was weird because that was the title of like chapter three but they actually don't use the phrase until the beginning of chapter four yes yeah yeah see yeah. I, I paid attention just wanted to prove that I, you know and i like that too i like these little chapter thingies that they do because you know they say something in it or it makes you think about okay where is that going to fall into this little segment of it and i, I like that it's like neat chapter breaks in between you don't really see that anymore in today's movies or today's things like that i I like that they do that in these episodes all right well with that discussion out of the way let's go ahead and get to agent allen with his fun facts thank you pat so actually i'm gonna just pick up on what jed was talking about the fight scene in the hallway the music cue for that from Jerry Goldsmith's score for this episode of that fight scene where they kidnap the student, you will hear that a lot. That particular music cue gets reused, which was created for this episode, gets reused constantly during the second half of season one in pretty much every single fight scene going forward for the second half of this season. Uh, I will just, not complain. It's a great cue. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. So talking of sort of quotes and things we were earlier with the hare and the hounds quote and stuff the line from Shakespeare that Solo quotes about Angelique was an actual Shakespeare quote oh what a godly outside falsehood hath is actually from the Merchant of Venice at one scene three classy and talking of Angelique we all loved Angelique 
I like to Delvin said it felt like we'd missed an episode of stuff because it felt like there was already a big character there. She yeah. was actually designed to be a recurring character, but we never see her again. Mainly because uh, Miss Janine Gray went off and got married and gave up her acting career and moved to South Africa. Selfish, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, she never appears again. And talking to people giving up acting, we talked about um, Burt Brinkenhoff. What was it you said? He reminded you of a young Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins, yeah. Yeah. Well, Burt also gave up acting at the end of the 1960s, but he stayed within the entertainment industry and became a director and directed a lot of your very favorite TV shows over the coming decades, including directing several episodes of Remington Steel, which, of course, includes a future 007 in Pierce Brosnan. So Burt ended up directing Pierce later in his career. So mm. just in case you've actually all forgotten that this is actually a 007 James Bond podcast. <laughs> I had to, I had so get... Pierce Brosnan and James Bond were the same? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you mean Remington Steele and James Bond was the same? I, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Bert went, Bert went on to a very, very successful directing career. But I think it's a shame he gave up acting because uh, he was really good. Yeah, he, like I said, he just a charismatic guy. I was like, yeah, I like this guy. He's yeah. The actor guy seemed really smooth and just playing the character well. Was I the only one that felt like he was very Anthony Perkins? Is that just a Jared thing? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah. What about his girlfriend at the end laying that big kiss on Napoleon? I'm like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then Chuck's like, oh, whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You just sitting there like, oh, heck yeah, this is cool. And I'm like, okay, maybe they just did things a little bit different. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, that's a weird thing. I think goodbye, he, but... Chuck was like, I mean, this is Napoleon Solo. This is the smoothest MF for ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did do? save my life, so guess so. Yeah, I see it. I see it, Jared. Sorry, I interrupted. I, I just looked up Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I see it. Yep, it's there. Yeah. All right, that was it for the fun facts. So. All right. Well, thank you, Alan, for those fun facts. Now it is time for us to rate this episode. And we have a rating scale. Uh, as a reminder, it is a one through seven, seven being the highest. That means you loved it. It shook your martini. Six, it was excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, it's just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini Ugh, with a dirty finger. Ugh, don't like that at all. Ooh. With that, let's go ahead and find out. Delvin, start us off on a one through seven for this episode. Six. Uh, very good. Very good episode. Love the chemistry between Napoleon and Angelique. Love that abrupt shift in the plot where it went from, okay, we're trying to find, you know, this guy that was selling, you know, the German stamps. Then all of a sudden it turned into a resurrection of Hitler <laughs> and the freaking SS plot. Like, whoa. And I mean, it made sense. It flowed. And so the whole thing was good. Uh, good twists and turns, good humor, uh, great chemistry amongst the actors. So I think six works for me. Jared, are you with Dylan at a six or higher or lower? To no one's surprise, as enthusiastic as I've been about this episode and episodes past, like this is now my new favorite episode. And mm. I've been like saying that as we've gone on and on. <laughs> Seven. Seven, this is absolutely entertaining, and I enjoyed every moment of it. It's great. Alan, where do you fall? Are you a seven, six, or below? I'm going with Delvin. This is a six for me. Ah. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. Not enough earlier. No Waverly. A couple of plot points that didn't quite work for me. I'm not a huge fan of the resurrecting Hitler thing. I think they did the switch really well. When I first watched this and over the time, I was like, oh, that's an old trope, you know, the Hitler's brain, resurrecting Hitler, has been used so many times. But when I was actually doing the research for this, I found out that this is actually one of the first, one of the earliest times. I think it was only a a movie done in the 50s Mm. before that, and then there was this one, and that spun off a whole bunch of other ones. Prior to that, I was actually thinking it'd be a five, because I thought they were just rolling out, redoing an old trope. But it turns out that this was actually one of the earliest examples of that, so that pushed it back up to a six for Uh me. You know, I I jump in again, because I can't show about this episode, but... I can't be the one that noticed this, but they never actually name dropped him. 
No, they didn't. No, they didn't. We've all said that, but it, you're right. They never actually said his name. It Which I just... thought was clever. I was like, I was like, that's kind of a, a neat thing because all the audience fills in with their brain. And, you know, I don't know what the political climb of the 60s was like. But, you know, if someone was to write in and be like, I can't believe you featured Hitler, they could honestly say we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we just named it. It was a could have been it, somebody. It was more than enough that Napoleon looked and was like, yeah, he was like, what? Yeah, had, yeah. had this absolutely stunned look on his face. And so that was a very good foreshadow. There was an issue of New Warriors, uh, Jared and I read, where like there was basically torture going on. But the view that they showed it, you didn't see any of the torture. You just saw the sound effects of it. You knew something bad mm-hmm. was going on. And that somehow made it worse. So that, it was very well done. It's just like, you know watching a horror movie you don't have to actually show it it's just the thoughts and you let the person's mind fill in those blank spaces that's when it gets scary just like when we did uh casino royale 54 barry nelson yeah when he was being tortured yeah Yeah. but you never actually say it but yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. but you're right no they never actually they never actually say the name of the person that he's reanimating it's just left to the audience and everybody's made the same assumption. So, hmm. Well, I tell you what, I am going to be with Jared at a seven. I loved it. I had lots of fun with it. So we got two cool guys at a seven and two chumps. <laughs> you know, this excites, uh, good chumps. Good, good chumps. excites me, though, because <laughs> Alan knows these so well. So he knows their seven's coming. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how oh, yeah, better yeah. does this get? <laughs> and, and, you know, it has yeah, I will say this is not one of my favorite season one episodes. Okay, well, I really can't wait till we get to one of Alan's favorite ones and, and see how they... We've had a couple so far, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, it has definitely progressed as they're building the show up. And I, I really like it. I look forward to when we get to do one of these episodes and there's a new new episode for us to view and talk about. Would I like to watch them a little bit faster? Eh, a little bit. But I think also it's that anticipation of building up, of waiting to get here. And then it's just, I think that also makes it more fun and exciting too. Every 30 weeks, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) We go six weeks between recording and there's five of us. So it's every 30 weeks. So there you go. We got a long way to go. It doesn't seem, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't seem that long. And I can't believe we're already on episode five. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's going to bring the show to an end. As a reminder to our audience, if you like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our X page at ohmspod. And we would love to hear from you and make you a part of the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate if you'd go ahead and leave us a review on the show. That helps raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank Alan, Jarrett, and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's go ahead and find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Alan, we'll start with you. Thanks, Pat. So for James Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter X at Bond Lexicon or at James Bond Lexicon at Tumblr or Instagram. And of course, there is the James Bond Lexicon dot online website, which is the companion website to the James Bond Lexicon book available from all good online retailers. And I'm just going to give another plug, as I mentioned it right at the front of the show. We also have just launched a new biweekly James Bond Lexicon newsletter, which you can subscribe to for free at bondlexicon.substack.com. There you go, folks. Lots of ways to get in contact with Alan. Lots of ways to find out what Alan is up to. Go and check it all out. Jared, where can you be found? I am at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And now I'm thinking about it, that Christopher Lee Scaramanga, I think I might still have the original in stock. So if you're interested in ordering the original, hit me up at the at yard sale artist, whatever social media. And if you mentioned that you heard about it here on the show and I do indeed still have it in stock, I'll give you a discount. 
hit me up. Awesome. I hope someone gets that from you. Devlin, where can you be found? Uh, I can be found on Twitter X, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. I can be found on Instagram at Delvin Ray. And I can be found at Christatos01 on the X. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from us, but in the realm of comic books, go ahead and check out the Longbox Crusade. Jared, where can that be found? I'm unsure, Pat. Back to you. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find us at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're on Twitter, X, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and anywhere else, I guess. Just go ahead and look up at Longbox Crusade and you will find us out there. Come and check us out. Thanks, fellas, for taking the time yet again for another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who have tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of the other episodes that we have done, feel free to contact the show on X at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Until then, the next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Alan's pick. But... Until then, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whittler. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Money Penny. That's all. That's all. Nope. <laughs> I love making Alan laugh like that. That makes my whole damn night. <laughs> uh, he hasn't learned like I have how to not encourage you. <laughs> Miranda has to do the same thing. Like, she stone faces like 30% of my jokes. I'm like, I know I have a higher joke rate than that. She's like, I'm just trying to keep you humble. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) All right.